I have a weird idea. Okay. Let's just have fun with it. What else is new? I wouldn't. I wouldn't plan it. I wouldn't think about what to say. Wouldn't worry if you sound dumb. I'd just I mean, do it. I usually do. Just have fun with it. Sound dumb. Fair. Okay. But what I'm saying is, sound dumb, but don't worry about it. Oh, I don't. Maybe you. Maybe you're confused. You're not worried about it. Never have been. I've overestimated you before. <laughs> this time being no exception. All right. Uh, the Vice President of the United States of America. How terrifying is that to say out loud? That is Kamala Olive? Kamala. Kamala. You almost had it. Kamala. Kamala Harris. Uh, going to Singapore to talk about the pandemic. And Afghanistan. No. No, she went to Singapore to talk about the pandemic. Oh, but but she's got two priorities. No, there's only one top priority. Oh. Seems to me. Correct me if I'm wrong. By the way, welcome to episode number 155 of the Felt Recall Podcast. Patrick, how are you? I'm good. Good. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, your wife goes out shopping for the day. Or whatever. She has important errands to run. I don't want to downplay and be uh, chauvinistic here. Your wife has important things to do. She's tending to the children. Yes. She says to you before she leaves the house. She's getting the sandwich supplies. <laughs> Patrick. I'm out to get you some fresh turkey because the last thing I need is another beating. And you say, good, woman. And she says to you, she says to you, Patrick. Have you been listening? <laughs> yes. Okay. She Just says, check. Patrick, while I'm gone, would you mind folding the remainder of the laundry that's in the laundry room? And I say to her, I have two priorities. Yes. One is folding that laundry. That's top priority, you say to her. Yes. Well, My top priority is obviously. to fold the laundry before you get home. Obviously. Okay. What's the second one? Um, whatever else she would like me to do. That's right. Really. So let's just pretend you say to your wife. And then she's all, well, I haven't even told you the second thing yet. And I'm like, right, but it's still, still high on the list. This is how much I love you. Right. No matter what you say, yep. it exactly. will be my second highest priority of the day. Yep. I wrote you a poem. In that order. Yes. So she says, when you get done with that laundry, mm -hmm. do you mind unloading and reloading the dishwasher? And you say, that's number two. At some point in here, I do laugh at her, though. Right. Because if you don't cackle. Stupid her for her high expectations. Yeah. She leaves to tend to your children. 
whatever. She's taking them to the park to burn their energy off so you can enjoy a peaceful evening. That's work. And she comes home, and there you are. Say la vie. In your shorts. Mm-hmm. Playing some Call of Duty. All right. And she's like, oh, did you get your priorities done? And now you're relaxing? And you go, babe, babe, listen to me. Oh, this is the part where I cackle. <laughs> you say, I have no higher priority than folding the laundry and taking care of the dishes. However, the boys formed a squad, and I had to hop in now. I not join. I had to hop in now. Yeah, this is important business I'm taking care of. And she says to you, but you told me your highest priority was to get the laundry and the dishes done. And you say, babe, that is still true. That is, changed. that is my highest priority. I think we can all agree <laughs> that she would call you a liar, rightfully so, and say your, your highest priority is obviously you playing video games with your friends because that's what you're doing. To which you would reply, no, no, no. It's not my highest priority. It just happens to be what I'm doing right now. <laughs> that is how I feel about the vice president of the United States flying to the middle of Asia to talk about COVID and how there's still room to grow in our response to COVID, how this country's response to COVID has been, what did she call it, exemplary. Mm-hmm. But there's still room to grow. We all can learn more about how to handle the China flu. And she had to fly halfway around the world to figure that part out. But in the midst of that air travel, she took the time to tell the reporters that the highest priority was Afghanistan. Yeah. Do you think, do you think when she was setting her priorities as she was aboard Air Force Two, do you think she went... Like DC to LA to like Hawaii to Singapore, or do you think she went the other way around the globe? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure out. Did the she me, me the picture. Did she purposely try to go away from Afghanistan, or yes. did she have to pass it to get to where she was going? Um. Okay. She, I'm just saying. She probably did stop by Hawaii to pay homage to Obama's birthplace. She, I can see, uh, landed, got out, scooped the that sand. That would be a heck of a homage. You tell me that this isn't a Kamala Harris thing to do. She lands. The press follows her. She walks directly to the beach. Um, she gets on her knees, says, Hail Obama, scoops up. Two handfuls of dirt, throws them into the air. The dirt lands all over her face. She can barely breathe. She cackles a laugh, turns and walks back to the plane. That's the whole reason she flew there. Then, ironically, she flies to Singapore, his real birthplace, (laughs) as we all know. (laughs) Right? That's where he was raised for a little while. And, And then that's full circle. That's the point of that. Yeah, I think I think you summed that up nicely. <laughs> All right, uh, before we get into more, and boy, there is more to talk about. Let's talk about this week's charity of choice, the Nazarene Fund, proving, proving that the private sector will always outpace the government. The government can never do what the private sector will do. Glenn Beck and the Nazarene Fund 
and Glenn Beck's audience, raising more than $20 million in a matter of a couple of days to go rescue persecuted Afghanis. Nobody else is doing it. Biden certainly isn't doing it. Kalamala Olive is definitely not doing it. They already spent their money. That's true. Uh, so Glenn Beck and his his team is doing it. Um, the Nazarene Fund was originally started in 2015. No, 2017, maybe? That doesn't matter. Uh, no, it started in 2015. Okay, okay. And it has since provided emergency humanitarian aid to tens of thousands of people. It's resettled thousands of people from Christian villages. You remember when the Obama administration uh, refused to go get the Yazidi Christians as they were being persecuted on the mountaintop, um, the Nazarene Fund went in and got them. The Nazarene Fund has showed up and helped rescue children from ISIS in Syria. Not a joke. They're doing good work. You can learn more about them at the NazareneFund.org. The NazareneFund.org. Coincidentally, um, Tim Ballard, who started Operation Underground Railroad, which you've heard mention of here many, many times. Who? Tim Ballard of Operation Underground Railroad. What's that? He's Well, his name's Tim Ballard, and oh. he started Operation Underground Railroad. Never heard of them. Yeah, I've met him. He knows me. Uh, anyway, uh, he's the, uh, he's part of the team over the Nazarene fund. I believe he's the CEO, but I could be wrong. But anyway, he helps steer that ship in the right direction as well. Really good people doing really good work. Check out more about them. If you want to help people in Afghanistan who are suffering right now, go donate to the Nazarene fund.org. Uh, they're flying over there helicopters. They've got legit tactical missions happening. They're going to get people out of there because God knows Biden's not going to be able to do it. Uh, this is a guy who said, <laughs> What a, I mean, what a joke. It, there's no greater joke right now than the President of the United States to the world community. The man who says, uh, you know, it, we, we've lost no standing with our allies uh, because of this. And then actually, as it turns out, we've lost standing with, with many allies. Say, uh, um, all of it. I mean, did you see the member of British Parliament take him to task and, and say that... Uh, Nearly in tears. Yeah, anybody that's never fought... Um, in in the uniform to protect the colors they fly, they need not be critical of those who have. Yep. He's pretty upset at Biden's comments about... Parliament uh, actually sanctioned him. Oh, did they really? Yeah. I did not know that. Tell me that. more. I just read that one a little while ago. I don't know a lot of details on it. I just... Uh, I, don't, I don't know what that means, technically, other than I guess they're... I mean, that's like uh, the formal way of calling somebody out. Right. I mean, it does because it doesn't really hold water, right? I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, maybe arrest him on site if he ever arrives there. That would be cool. I don't think we're that lucky. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. I thought maybe That'd there's be cool, a chance. Though. I just thought maybe, maybe a little we something. Could put him in that tower. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Should do that with the dragon that guards it. Um, here's Afghanistan veteran uh, member of parliament Tom Tugendat. Who knows? Like many veterans, this last week has been one that has seen me struggle through anger and grief and rage. The feeling abandonment of not just a country, but the sacrifice that my friends made. I've been to funerals from Poole to Dunblane. I've watched good men go into the earth, taking with them a part of me and a part of all of us. And this week has torn open some of those wounds, left them raw 
left us all hurting. And I know it's not just soldiers. I know aid workers and diplomats who feel the same. I know journalists who've been the witnesses to our country in its heroic effort to save people from the most horrific fates. I know that we've all been struggling. And if this recall has done one thing, let me tell you now, Mr Speaker, it's achieved one thing already. I've spoken to the Health Secretary, who's already made a commitment to do more for veterans' mental health. Yeah. I was never prouder than when I was decorated by the 82nd Airborne after the capture of Musakala. It was a huge privilege, a huge privilege to be recognised by such an extraordinary unit in combat. To see their Commander-in-Chief call into question the courage of men I fought with, to claim that they ran, it's shameful. Those who have never fought for the colours they fly should be careful about criticising those who have. Jeez, I mean, <laughs> and Biden, Biden still thinks we've lost no standing with our allies and with NATO. I'm not one for celebrating celebrity accolades or like um, caring what celebrities think about politics in general, right? Because, you know, they uh, tend to sway to the left. They tend to be vast, vastly ignorant on the uh, issues. But I found it amazing that Angelina Jolie started an Instagram account this week simply to blame Biden for Afghanistan and yeah. his massive failure. Like, it, it's the only reason she started an Instagram. The lady who's adopted, I think it's uh, 73 kids from all around the world at this Sounds point. That's right, yeah. Um, and, uh, okay, she, hang on just a second. Mm-hmm, Let me check mm-hmm. the Angelina adoption. You got the Wikipedia counter. pulled up? Okay, yep. Uh, no, there's this, it has there's its own webpage. Um, let's see. Oh, we're up to 76. Hmm. Yep. Okay. She said, it's sickening to watch Afghans being displaced yet again out of the fear and uncertainty that script their country, to spend so much time and money, to have blood shed and lives lost only to come to this is a failure almost impossible to understand. Uh, she's not wrong. It'd be one thing if, you know, you could look at it and laugh it off because, you know, what, what does she know? Uh, but she actually is a humanitarian who has gone out and done things, which gives her, you know, quite enough clout to criticize America's standing on world events. Uh, but again, proving that Biden is living in a, in a fantasy world. Here is Secretary of State Antony Blinken admitting that the United States of America is A-OK, A-OK, with asking the Taliban for permission to evacuate Americans. Someone in our audience might listen to you, Mr. Secretary, and say, oh, so we have to ask the Taliban for permission for American citizens to leave. True or not true? They, they are in control of Kabul. Okay. That is the reality. Sure. Uh, that's the reality uh, that, uh, that we have to deal with. Question. Who in any of that, when Major Garrett was asking that question on CBS's Face of the Nation, uh, who said they weren't? Like, who said, well, the Taliban's not in charge, so why are we asking permission? That wasn't the question. The question was, are we asking a terrorist organization for permission to evacuate our people? And he goes, well, I mean, they're in charge. <laughs> they're in charge. 
like some, you know, kid looking for a reason to not take the garbage out. Well, mom said not to. No, she didn't. Well, I'm pretty sure she did. No, mom said, don't jump from the balcony this while is, taking the trash out. Oh, well. This is where the boy could learn something from Cackles and just explain that taking the trash out is his highest priority. <laughs> That's right. It is our, it, listen, rescuing Christians in Afghanistan, highest priority. Why is the vice president in a foreign country talking about COVID? Because our highest priority is Afghanistan. But she's not in Afghanistan, but that's because it's our highest priority. So so it's your, your highest priority, but she's not there helping out? Exactly. That's how high of a priority it is. We're getting all of the other priorities out of the way so we can focus on the highest because we're smart. How are you with that, Mr. Secretary? Um, my, what I'm, what I'm uh, focused on, mm-hmm. uh, what we're all focused on, yes. is getting people out oh. and making sure that we're doing everything possible to do that. And in this case, uh, it uh, is, I think, a requirement of the job uh, to be in contact with, uh, with the Taliban, which controls Kabul. My goodness. A requirement of the job to be in touch. <laughs> this is John McCain talk right here, right? Um it's our requirement to talk to the terrorists so we can really understand how they feel before we come in and save the people uh, we need to save. Because, again, it's our highest priority. Highest priority. Uh, Kamala Harris, by the way, she went to the border once. That's supposed to be her thing. Not her highest priority anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So she gave up on that to focus on Afghanistan? Or you say so. Is it? No. Singapore? No. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, by the way, here's the same um, Secretary of State who is um, one of the dumbest people I can possibly imagine uh, on the face of it. You got to feel bad for him, right? Like, he, he has to shill the talking points from the administration. Uh, so, y- you have trouble knowing if you should blame him, blame Biden. Blame all of them. I don't know. I look at him kind of like an ATF agent, agent right? Um, <laughs> they know what they're getting into. They know who they work for. So kind of, you can't feel bad for them. They work for tyrants. They signed up to work for a bunch of tyrants. It's like, yeah, you might be a nice person in real life, but you knew you wanted to work for a tyrant. That's why you took the job. Like You wanted to be a part of infringing on people's Second Amendment rights. Well, no, I'm just, I don't write the rules. I just enforce them. Okay, get in the shower. Here's your soap. Like same thing. Like you know, you know. So there's no. I have no sympathy for Blinken here. Listen to Chris Wallace on Fox News. Uh, just this is a remarkable answer. It is remarkable in how astonishingly absurd it is. And I hope if you take nothing else from this podcast tonight, that what you do take away is the ability to answer. All inquiries into whatever it is you're doing with, well, you know, it's an emotional time for all of us. Here's another statement that the president made that was flat wrong. Take a look. It was flat wrong. I have seen no question of our credibility from our allies around the world. I've got the exact opposite thing is we're acting with dispatch. We're acting, committing to what we said we would do. The thing. But Armin Laschet, the likely successor to German Chancellor Merkel, said this is the biggest debacle that NATO has seen since its foundation. And here is the chairman of the British Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee. To see their commander-in-chief call into question the courage of men I fought with, to claim that they ran, 
It's shameful. Those who have never fought for the colours they fly should be careful about criticising those who have. Mr. Secretary, does the president not know what's going on? <laughs> this is an incredibly emotional time uh, for, for many of us, many uh, of us. and including allies and partners who've been shoulder to shoulder with us in Afghanistan for 20 years. So, Patrick, your wife has walked back in. <laughs> You're playing Call of Duty. Yep. She says, you said you would handle this while I was gone. I'm having a good round. And you say, my kill death is... Really high right no, now. No, no. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's my highest priority. No. You say, babe, this is an emotional time for keep, all of I us. I can't keep it straight. <laughs> Listen, if we're, we're going to change the, the narrative here, someone's got to give me a copy of the script. One of, your, one of your babies looks up at their mom and goes, Mom, <laughs> does dad not know what's going on? <laughs> And you say, baby girl, mama, listen. Uh, for, for many of us. <laughs> not know what's going on? This is an incredibly emotional time uh, for, for many of us, uh, <laughs> and including allies and partners who've been shoulder to shoulder with us in Afghanistan for 20 years uh, at high cost to themselves as well as to us. They stood with us after 9-11, invoked Article 5 of NATO for the first time, an attack on one is an attack on all, right. and we've been there together. But I've got to tell you this, Chris. From the get-go, mm. oh, uh, I've spent five. more time with our NATO partners in, in Brussels virtually uh, from before the president made his decision to when he made his decision to every time since. We've been working very, very closely together. We've gotten the G7 together, NATO together, the UN Security Council together. We had 113 sure. countries, thanks to our diplomacy, uh, sure. put out a, a clear understanding <laughs> to uh, of the Taliban's... Chris trying to break in like, hey, man, none of this has anything to do with the question. ...requirements to let people sir, leave sir, the country. Respectfully, that, that, look... I'm not, I'm not questioning whether or not the allies have a right to complain. I'm not questioning whether or not al-Qaeda has a presence. The president said al-Qaeda al is gone. It's not gone. The president said he's not heard any criticism from the allies. There's been a lot of criticism from the allies. Words matter, and the words of the president matter most. Yeah. They, they, I mean, <laughs> Chris is right. The president is incoherent. He doesn't know what's going on. Uh, but I want to say this, because I think this really puts a ribbon on Afghanistan. If you haven't considered it, think about what we knew about Hunter Biden going in, right? What was Hunter Biden known for Go as, as Joe was getting elected? Uh, being a con artist and a drug addict, I think. Yep. Big money, right? For him and the big guy. Yep. From where? Ukraine. And? Uh, the big one. China. Stop. <clears throat> Just so I'm clear. <laughs> A Taliban spokesperson speaking on Chinese state television says, quote, China is a big country with a huge economy and capacity. I think they can play a very big role in the rebuilding, rehabilitation, reconstruction of Afghanistan. Previously, the Chinese regime had played a, quote, very constructive role in the country's peace and reconciliation process, he said. Call me crazy. But let's think on this for a second. Mm -hmm. 
you know that China's got the dirt on you and your son. Okay. China says, hey, we want Afghanistan. Well, I guess we're going to have to give it to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of seems almost absurd because it's so obvious. But what other conclusion can you reach when you I know... Feel like in any other normal circumstance, mm-hmm. that sounds like the most ridiculous conspiracy theory of all time. Yes. However, given what we know, I can't call you crazy because it sounds very legitimate. The Taliban spokesman, his last name is Shaheen, which is wonderful news for anyone who is familiar with the town of Warner Robins, Georgia, because the mayor down there, who um, was pretty well... um, careful how I say this. Here's what I'll tell you about the mayor of Warner Robins back in the day, Chuck Shaheen. Uh, Chuck had a uh, what I thought was a nefarious relationship with a local car dealer named Wayne Lowe. He was on tape telling a citizen of the town of Warner Robins that uh, her concerns could be addressed in a private meeting between himself, Chuck Shaheen, and Wayne Lowe. Wayne Lowe was a car dealer. He had no connection to the government outside of everybody thought he had undue influence over it. And when I started painting that picture... Wayne Lowe told the the owners of the radio station I worked for that he would pull all of his advertising if I continued to draw those conclusions. I was told to stop drawing those conclusions, so I read those emails on the radio and was told, don't go back on the radio. And uh, (laughs) that, that was the beginning of the end of my days at that radio station. So his name was Chuck Shaheen, is Chuck Shaheen. I think he's a city councilman now. He got himself in enough trouble. He went after the police before it was hip to go after the police. Like, he wanted Ooh, everybody to think, yeah. Spicy. And I'm going to tell you something. The chief of police down there was a stand-up guy. Maybe he's still down there. His name was Brett Evans. And I, I can't say too much without kind of um, betraying his confidence. But I will tell you that when I went after the mayor, um, I was advised, it's just not worth it. He's corrupt, and he'll go after you. And don't worry, good will win. Uh, Brad Evans was a nice guy, a really good guy, and the mayor wanted nothing more than to just tear this guy apart for some reason. It was because that guy wanted accountability for the government. So the fact that the Taliban spokesman is named Shaheen, that's all, that's all my long-winded way of saying <laughs> how glorious I find that to be. I felt like Chuck Shaheen was, was just corrupt to the core, and it's perfect that uh, Shaheen is the Taliban spokesman. But anyway... Uh, Shaheen says that the Taliban and the Chinese Communist Party have long been in contact, saying he also, uh, he also revealed that Beijing had appointed a new official as a contact person with the Taliban. He says, quote, we have contact with him. Recently, our delegation had a meeting with him. You're telling me all of this doesn't add up? or do, do it, I mean, maybe the Taliban is smart enough to want us to believe that, and China is smart enough to want us to believe that. Sure. But as you said... We already know what we know. We know Hunter was corrupted by China. We know Swalwell has been corrupted by China. Maybe more than anybody knows, if you know what I'm saying. He might have had to see a doctor because of how he got corrupted. Yeah. Maybe a cream to clear that up. That's real gross. She was a spy. She was sleeping with everybody. That she was. She doesn't care. 
Uh, she did not seem to care. Yeah. I've seen the list. It's, it is, uh, it's a long one. Yeah. Yep. So, what we know. All, uh, what's her face had a Chinese spy driver there for a while out there in California. She, uh, yep. I'm drawing a blank. Me too. I remember that. Who, it was all a part. Was it? it was all a part of how the, the Democrats were being exposed for their Chinese connections. Uh, Democrat, was she a congresswoman? Oh, I mean, I guess they are all. Right. Congresswoman. I assume so. As Chinese right. spy driver. Help me out here, Duck, Duck, Go. Yeah, Chinese spy driver. Uh, there's her face. What is her? Hold on. I'm going to try and remember before I look at her name. I can see her face. She's a white woman, believe it or not. A white woman in politics. Diane Feinstein. I couldn't yeah, remember. I had to look. Man, doesn't she either. look like your angry, just stereotypical angry third grade teacher? That's what I think of when she I see her. like an Oompa Loompa without the makeup. That's what I said. <laughs> Anyway, the Chinese regime, by the way, and by the way, and I'm reading all this from the Epoch Times. If you're not subscribed and paying them seven dollars a month to get the news they provide, you really should. It's really good stuff. Um, they continue to report and say the interview comes after the Taliban took control of Afghanistan after a rapid series of advances weeks before the U.S. forces were due to withdraw from the country. Since the takeover, the regime has embraced the group and seized on the chaotic U.S. withdrawal for propaganda purposes. The Chinese regime hasn't been involved in any of Afghanistan's conflicts in the past century, unlike the U.S. and its NATO allies who tried to establish and defend democracy for 20 years and the Soviet Union, which occupied the country from 79 to 89 back in the 20th century. But the CCP has supported the Taliban both in arms and technology, according to a report by the Population Research Institute since September of 2001. So they've been over there supporting them for 20 years. Then they began to support a U.S. senator who would later become vice president, who is now the president of the United States of America, uh, by taking total control, it would seem, of his crackhead son, uh, who was cashing checks for, quote-unquote, the big man. And nobody wanted to listen. And nobody wanted to listen. And now the Chinese Communist Party has Afghanistan in, in concert with its relationship with the Taliban. And as we often say, there's no such thing as a coincidence. There's no such thing as a coincidence. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Okay? All right. Hey, uh, speaking of coincidences, uh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know it, and I know it. So it's no coincidence, none whatsoever, that My Patriot Supply helps sponsor this show when you help them. Okay? Uh, they support the show when you support them, I should say. My Patriot Supply is insurance for the unknown. Who knows what's coming next? Who knows? Stock market's volatile. My buddy George, stock market expert, stock market expert, makes big money playing the market every day, every day. He looks every day, and he says, sell, buy, sell, buy, 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 sell, 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 all day long. So he's on the, always on the phone? Always. Calling his broker. One time I walked into his office, and he gave me the finger to hold on for a second, right? Like he had that like pointer finger. finger? No, no, no. no. Like I, I said it wrong. He, he gave me like the pointer finger. Sign? Like what are we talking about here? No, 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 no. Not the drive in your lane sign. Oh, got it, got the it. The give me one second sign. Oh, got it. 
turned his back to me, hand on his hip. Mm-hmm. You know, his office has the window with the view. Yep. He turns to look out of it, and he says, I quote, if you buy one more thing that's not an ETF based in crypto on the blockchain, I will find your family and burn them alive. Then he threw that phone across the office, turned around and looked at me and said, so were you thinking vinyl or laminate? It was really weird, but that's how it happened. <laughs> he knows stock market's volatile. Well, I don't want to draw too much of a comparison here, but remember I was talking about that conspiracy theory with, with Biden? Yes. And how it was a little far-fetched, but knowing what I know, I can believe it. Right. That's exactly how I feel about this story. Yes. As you should. As you should. Uh, my page, we make everything up, including all these news stories. There's no such thing. <laughs> there is no Joe Biden. Uh, my Patriot Supply supports this show when you support them. Insurance for the unknown. As I said, really, stock market's up and down. You can't be sure of a whole lot. You can be sure that there are things you're not going to expect that will happen to you in life. My Patriot Supply gives you food that'll last 25 years on the shelf. Put it in a closet. Forget it's even there, and if you ever need it, you got peace of mind against an uncertain climate of the world, okay? You got nothing to worry about. Buy it, supply it, be ready for the unknown. Go to feltrecoilshow.com slash mypatriotsupply, feltrecoilshow.com slash mypatriotsupply. Check out all the options of fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, They have all sorts of entrees you can just buy. It's real easy to prepare, and it's delicious. I have three kids, eight and under, and they eat the food from My Patriot Supply. And and that's a win. If anybody uh, you know has kids, you know how hard that can be to do. But the soups are delicious. They love those. We have tried them. They like them. Find them at feltrecoilshow.com, My Patriot Supply, slash My Patriot Supply. We'll talk about one more thing. Um, before we get into our Voda of the Week, and uh, it's a doozy, this week's Voda of the Week. A real doozy. An unexpected doozy, but uh, we'll share it with you in a bit. Because I don't like for the police to be our Voda, but they are going to be this week. We still support the Thin Blue Line, but we have to hold them accountable when they do wrong. We're going to do that this week. Anyway, okay, um, I had it, 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 it occurred to me this week... I want to get your thoughts on this because I can't find anyone willing to say it. But it occurred to me that when we normally talk about things that we want people to do, uh, specifically the COVID vaccine, uh, we're, we're hearing a lot of pressure from a lot of different people to get the vaccine. And as we probably always should, here's my thoughts up front. <clears throat> If you want the vaccine and you feel safe with the vaccine and whatever you have whatever reason for getting it, I got no problem with that. Go get the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Need to travel, you want to travel, you want to do whatever, fine with me. It's no big deal. As I've said before, my conversation about the COVID vaccine with my doctor went like this. He said, hey, would you like to get the COVID vaccine? I said, hey, quick question. Not opposed to it, but I get really sick from the flu shot. Do you, you think... COVID vaccine would have the same effect. Am I going to get really sick? He said, well, it affects everybody differently. There's really no telling. It hasn't been out that long. I said, well, what if I just say no? He said, I mean, it's perfectly okay. You're relatively healthy. You're younger on the spectrum of COVID patients. So if you do get it, 
it's not likely to have a huge effect on you. So it's your call, man. It's your call. He he seems, and he hasn't said as much, but he seems to fall into the camp of people who believe that if you get COVID and you kick it, it's just as good as getting the vaccine, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is the way science proves we should be thinking. So I said, yeah, I, I think I won't just because I don't want to be sick from it. You know, I don't want to get it and then get sick. And he said, no problem. But I have dear friends who have gotten it, and I got no problem with them getting it, okay? So I just want to be really clear about that. But I have noticed one thing that lacks from the professionals. Again, the pundits, the politicians, and the money makers who are on TV telling us every day, we must go get it. That's who I'm talking about. Not the, not the average person who goes and gets the vaccine because they think, hey, there's a vaccine for it. Why wouldn't you get it? That's, that's an okay way to think. I got no problem with that. Uh, I'm talking about the talking heads. <clears throat> have you heard, and I mean this sincerely, because I haven't, I can't think of an example. Is there an example of Fauci or the CDC director lady whose name slips in my mind? They're all calling it safe. Totally safe. Totally safe. Totally safe. Mm-hmm. But they're all leaving off that second word that usually follow, well, the two words that usually follow safe, right? Because we usually hear it's safe and what? Effective. Right. So... Can you, and I'm being serious here. Is there an example of Fauci on tape saying this is safe and it's fully effective? I wouldn't know if there's anything recent uh, because I've um, taken a, a sort of personal mission to ignore anything that man says at this point. <laughs> right. Um, probably good for your mental health. Yeah. And have been that way for some time now. So I can't say that I would know if he did recently. Um, you know, I think it, it brings up a good point because I think there's, um, some laws concerning how drugs are advertised in the U S because I think there's only, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think there's only two countries in the world where, uh, it's actually legal to advertise pharmaceuticals, and that would be the U.S. and New Zealand. Oh, I didn't know that. And so there's some stipulations in the U.S. on that, which are you can't you can't um, provide false promises of things that it can do that it can't. Right. Um, and you must explain what the side effects are. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you hear, uh, you know, at the end of every pharmaceutical commercial, you know, this gives you a headache, heartburn, diarrhea, your head falls off, your feet turn inside out, <laughs> right. you know, all that stuff. They're not doing that because they want to. They're yeah. doing that because they're forced to. Yeah. And so part of the issue that I have is I don't hear any of that with, uh, with the COVID quote unquote vaccines. Um, in fact, all you'll hear from any of the talking heads is that it's the best thing ever. Um, you know, it, it will eliminate the virus up until it didn't anymore. And then it will, um, keep you out of the hospital up until it didn't anymore. And it will keep you alive. And guess what? It It doesn't doesn't anymore. anymore. So, um, you know, I think the effectiveness, uh, was short lived if there was any, which is probably why you haven't heard that. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I think they are, um, you know, I think they straddled the fence on the uh, false claims early on. Um, 
I won't say they were lying about it or even that they were disingenuous. I think they didn't know, so they just didn't say anything. Yeah. And so now um, that you see things like the VAERS report that are uh, where you're seeing, um, you know, thousands upon thousands of people having adverse effects um, and or dying, um, you know, it, it does beg the question, you know, what, what are we really doing here? Yep. Um, I'll tell you what they're doing is they're making a lot of money. Well, certainly. It seems to be the case. Uh, and safe, but they refuse to say effective. Here is a list of FDA approved. My, my wife shared this with me uh, the other night. And the last time this list was updated, because I think this is important, was January 30th of the year 2014. So this is not a partisan list based on COVID. This is a list nearly a decade old of FDA-approved prescription drugs, FDA-approved prescription drugs. And there's an important caveat that I'm going to add at the end of this. FDA-approved prescription drugs. That's an important label. And they were pulled, and I'm going to tell you what the drugs were and why they were pulled. Accutane was used for acne. It was recalled, can't be used anymore because it increased risk of birth defects, miscarriages, and premature births when it was used by pregnant women, and it uh, led to suicidal tendencies among users. There were over 7,000 lawsuits filed against the manufacturer over the side effects, including a $10.5 million verdict and two $9 million verdicts. Baycol was a cholesterol reduction medication manufactured by Bayer. It was called uh, for recall because it caused a breakdown of muscle fibers that resulted in myoglobin, myoglobin, globin, myoglobin, 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 being released into the bloodstream, which led to kidney failure. 52 deaths worldwide, 31 of those in the U.S. Again, FDA approved on the market for three years. Bextra was on the market for 3.3 years from November 2001 to April of 2005. It was recalled because it was causing serious cardiovascular adverse events like death and stroke. It also caused an increase of uh, serious skin reaction like toxics, toxic epidermal necrolysis I really fall apart when it comes to medical terms. Uh, gastrointestinal bleeding, and the FDA determined that Bextra showed no advantage over other pain relievers on the market. Silert was on the market for 30 years. It was recalled for causing liver toxicity. Uh, Darvon and Darvoset was on the market for 55 years, from, 55, from 1955 to 2010. It was recalled for causing serious toxicity to the heart. And between 1981 and 1999, there were over 2,110 deaths reported. And the list goes on. Uh, Desplex was on the market for 31 years. It was recalled for causing birth defects and other uh, developmental abnormalities in children born to women who took the drug while pregnant. It also caused an increased risk of breast cancer, higher risk of death from breast cancer, risk of cancer in children, of mothers taking the drug, including raised risk of breast cancer after the age of 40s. Studies in the 50s showed the drug was not effective at preventing miscarriages, premature labor, or other pregnancy complications, even though it promised it in advertising. 
Um, Meridia was on the market for 13 years. It was recalled because of an increased cardiovascular and stroke risk. Maritol and Alivol was on the market for three years. It was recalled for causing anemia and some deaths. It goes on and on and on. These are a few of dozens and dozens and dozens of examples. Um, Trasolil on the market for 15 well, it says 15 or 48 years, 1993, but it was used since the 60s all the way up until November 5th, 2017. Um, it was phased out of the market, manufactured again by Bayer. Cause for recall, increased chance of death, severe, uh, serious kidney damage, and congestive heart failure and strokes. On February 8th, 2006, the FDA issued a public health advisory to surgeons who perform heart bypasses, alerting them of possible fatal side effects. In 2006, that would have been 13 years after the FDA approved the drug. So there's your list. Here's an interesting factoid, by the way. This is why I said think about this at the top. These are all FDA-approved prescription drugs. Why is that important? The FDA doesn't approve over-the-counter medications. So you see this uh, fight against ivermectin. People are using yeah. ivermectin. Mm -hmm. Well, they're mad about that because it's over the counter. It's right. for horses mainly, but uh, we know that people have used it effectively. They've seen positive results, but the FDA doesn't have its hands on it because it's over the counter medication. Here's a strange one. Again, most over the counter medications not FDA approved. Preparation H not FDA approved, right? If you've ever met anybody that's had hemorrhoids, you ever talk to a doctor about that kind of thing, they can get some preparation H. No big deal. It's not FDA approved. So we've created this thing all of a sudden that the FDA should matter much, much more than it actually does. In all likelihood, Advil, aspirin, all your basic pain relievers, the FDA doesn't care about. They don't care about it. They're not approving it. They're not disproving it or anything. But they just don't care. I don't know why... Maybe their hand can't get in that coffer too much. Here's a great example. Um, oh, I bet it could if they really wanted to. If they really wanted to, yeah, that's probably true. I had a uh, doctor's appointment this morning uh, where they examined my throat. I've been having these problems with my vocal cords, and my voice gets really raspy real easy. Okay, So in the matter of this hour-long podcast, you'll notice that my voice will taper off towards the end. It'll sound like I've been yelling at a concert for two or three hours. And the short version of it is they gave me a medication that they said they think will fix that. So I go to, and I have to do it for six months. So I go to the pharmacy after work to pick that medication up. And I roll in there and the girl says to me, it's going to be $64 for your 90-day supply of it. Man, $66. I said, man, all right. She says, you know what, wait a second. That's with insurance. Let me run it through the GoodRx program. And I go, to what now? And she comes right back. She goes, okay, it's going to be $33. And I said, well, I don't know what you did, but I'll take it. And she goes, well, it's the good RX program. I said, I really don't know what that is, but I really appreciate you doing whatever you did. And she goes, well, it, it, you just tell them next time. Do it through good RX. You got it. And I come home, and I tell my wife, and she's like, yeah, that's uh, it's like this program that anybody can use even if they don't have insurance. Okay, so it's twice as much for me to get this medication if we run it through insurance than it is to just tell the pharmacist I don't have insurance. Chris, I don't know if you heard or not, but you can keep your doctor. If you like him. If you like him. Yeah. Now, 
we're making no promises on prescriptions. None. But if you like your doctor, that's your guy. Keep your doctor. I have no idea how that's even physically possible, except that I know that the government has their hand in the insurance business. Absolutely. And that's a high-dollar industry, and they got to be getting a kickback of some sort. So I feel like the same is true with the FDA approvals. It's like if you ever see your local radio station winning awards, and they're like, woo, we won you know, Broadcaster of the Year from the South Carolina Broadcasting Association. Ooh, another great example, uh, Best of the Upstate. They still, yeah. right? That's a yeah. thing. Yeah, that's all pay to play. It's all pay to play. That's in every town. If 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 you want to vote in your best of the upstate or best of whatever town, you have to register with them your email, which they will then sell for marketing purposes, and then you can vote. So your vote has been bought and paid for, and that's the only reason they do those things. And they make little plaques up, and they throw a dinner, and if you spend enough money with whatever advertising organization is hosting the best of, you'll get invited to that dinner, and if you and win, they'll celebrate you. If mm-hmm. you win, yeah, then you get pummeled by their advertisers because yes, obviously everyone loves you, so you must need to buy their advertising. you got to stay top of mind. Right. Do you want them to forget who you are? Which... I mean, you know, teach their own. Seems a little counterintuitive. A bunch of people just voted for you. It's shrewd. I think you're doing all right. It's shrewd. They know what they're doing. I remember being at a radio station and being told to edit all these best ofs together. And I was like, what are we doing this for? They're like, oh, it's the Alabama Broadcasters Association Awards. I was like, and? And then the the big boss shows up one day. Sounds legit. Yeah, right? (laughs) Well, the big boss shows up and he goes, listen to me. I need three more. And I said, oh, yeah? And his whole point was, so it was like 200 bucks or whatever per category that you wanted to be considered for. So you paid as a radio station per category to be considered, which immediately eliminates any small radio stations that don't have that kind of bankroll, right? They might be able to bankroll two, two or three. But when you were at the big dog, you could go in, which is what we did, and the boss man said, there's these three categories that nobody's paid to enter. And we're going to enter all three a couple of times so we can assure that, that some of our stations win something. Okay. All right. And then that's what you do. So a lot of these awards are bought and paid for. That's what, that's the way I'm seeing the FDA approvals going is these drug manufacturers come to them. They say, here's our money for approval. You can run your test trials. Oh, and by the way, it will help net the government X amount of dollars. And the government goes, you know what? It looks good to us. Rush it to market. We'll be fine. We'll be okay. Except we're not. People are dying. <laughs> Literally. I don't stay at hotels unless they have one of those plaques behind the, the, the uh, counter there with five diamonds on it. Correct. Correct. Because that's how you know it's a good hotel. Who's J.D. Power? <laughs> Who's J.D. anyway? <laughs> that's what it reminds me of if you've ever yeah. seen that bit. What does he say? He basically exposes J.D. Power's... It's nothing. It's a big fraud. Big yeah. fraud. All right, here's our vote of the week. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. Man, this is a weird one. Alan West is running for governor of Texas. Did you know that? I was not aware of that. Yeah, he's taking on Greg Abbott. Uh, Alan West would make a fantastic governor for anywhere he chose to run for. Um, this last weekend, a Dallas police officer pulled his wife over and administered a field sobriety test against Alan West's wife. And Mrs. West, if you will, blew an astonishing, you're not going to believe this, they made her do a breathalyzer in the field. 
And then right after the breathalyzer, put her in the back of the car, hauled her away while her grandson was in her car. They just left the kid? They said, who can come get the kid? She said, the kid's parents. Where are they at? She tells them. They put her in the car, drive away. By the time the kid's parents get there, there's three officers hanging around the SUV, and the kid's in the SUV all by himself, waiting for someone to come pick him up. This is all happening at like 10 and 11 o'clock at night-ish, right? She was out for dinner with a friend. She was babysitting her grandson. She took the grandson to the dinner, left the restaurant, decided to take a long way home so that the kid would fall asleep. I know that trick. Gets pulled over for not using a blinker when she changed lanes. They do a field sobriety test. Then they do a breathalyzer. Guess what this woman, this monster of a grandmother, guess what she blew on the breathalyzer? Alan West's wife. Uh, 13. You would think. Yep. Because she got put in the back of a squad car. Yep. Must have been bad. She blew a astonishing 0.000000. Hammered. Hammered. Hammered drunk. They have receipts from the restaurant that show she had water and a lemonade. With her dinner. Uh, Mr. West at westfortexas.com has a rundown of everything that happened. And he's posted the entire interaction between his wife and law enforcement from the initiation of the traffic stop to putting her in the back of the car. It's like 30 minutes long. He says, Angela was handcuffed and placed in a Dallas Police Department patrol car and taken away. Our three-month-old grandson, Jackson, was left in her car, still in his car seat with an unknown Dallas police officer. For the life of me, I cannot fathom why this could not have been halted until our daughter and her husband arrived on the scene to retrieve their son. They did later, and there were three officers, but our grandson was still alone in his car seat. I returned from Waco to a frantic call from Austin, his uh, son-in-law, I believe, telling me, oh, no, no, that's her daughter, telling me that her mom had been arrested. However, I did not get a call from my wife until 1.30 a.m., and she was distressed as to where she was. When I arrived at the Justice Center close to 2.30 a.m., I was told there was no record of my wife being there. I was not allowed to speak to a supervisor. When I was finally able to confirm that my wife was there, I was dismissively told I could not speak to her face-to-face. I was told to wear a mask. (laughs) priorities Angela was charged with DUI with a minor a state felony offense she had a $7,500 bond placed on her at the arraignment interesting to note he says that violent criminals are getting released on personal recognizance felony bonds as we reported here recently on his uh, website he's saying that not me then they go out and kill people what has to be rather questionable is that Angela never gave any probable cause for being under any influence, including the fact she passed a breathalyzer test, 0.000. That should have been the end of the episode, but a coerced blood test on a woman who took some aspirin earlier in the day? As well, Angela is a breast cancer and brain aneurysm survivor. Could it be that this specific Dallas police officer needed a collar given that this unit receives quota-based funding? Angela was finally released after noon the next day. We brought her home around 1.30. What started out as a date night with her little three-month-old grandson turned into a very long way home. And for that, the female police officer in Dallas is our Voda of the Week. I'm an ambitious officer. One Voda. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. 
Uh, Mr. West does say there, we still support our Thin Blue Line, but when there are those who do not honor their commitment to serve and protect, they must be called out. Serve and protect must never place officers in a situation where they have a quota to meet. I like it. I would like for him to beat Abbott and be the next governor of Texas. Uh, this right here could, I mean, put him in spotlight, make it happen. Yeah. You can play all sorts of cards with this one. All right. We'll be back in a week, and we'll do episode number 156. We didn't get to it this time. But next time, I would say let's gather together and reason out a solution for all the problems in the world. Okay? Sounds good. Promise? Be here? You got it. All right. See you in a week.